Hey, it's Tony Messia with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. We talk with Charlotte leaders about important, interesting issues with an eye toward making you smarter, telling you things you don't know, and introducing you to people with insights about trends in Charlotte. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger and subscribe to one of our newsletters by going to thecharlotteledger.com. Today, we're doing something a little different. We're turning the spotlight on ourselves, looking in the mirror, looking under the hood, We're talking about a new partnership between the Charlotte Ledger and North Carolina Health News that's going to bring about better coverage of the delivery of healthcare in Charlotte. Joining me today are Rose Hoban, the founder and editor of North Carolina Health News, and Michelle Crouch, a longtime writer and editor in Charlotte who's written extensively on health topics. Rose and Michelle, welcome. Hey. Hi, thanks for having us, Tony. Thanks for joining me. Okay, let me set the stage a little bit here and let listeners know exactly what we're talking about. The Ledger and North Carolina Health News just announced an exciting new initiative to improve healthcare journalism in Charlotte. We're both kicking in money to hire a reporter. And in case you haven't guessed, spoiler alert here, that reporter is Michelle. And she's going to cover healthcare and the companies and institutions that deliver it in the Charlotte region. And those articles are going to appear both in the Ledger and on North Carolina Health News' website, and they'll be available to any media organization that wants to republish them. And I got to tell you, I'm pretty excited about this initiative because the Charlotte Ledger, we're all about trying to up the game in journalism in Charlotte. We want to be a hub of news, smart information, reliable information in Charlotte. And it just seems like on this topic, it just seems natural to partner with an organization like North Carolina Health News. And there's so much going on related to healthcare in Charlotte, you know, that's really not getting the attention it deserves, I don't think. And so the idea here is to be able to shine a light on a large and changing sector of Charlotte's economy. Uh, I mean, there's so many companies here. You got Atrium Health is headquartered here. Novant Health has a huge presence here. Tryon Medical, you know, the new Wake Forest Baptist School of Medicine. You got Ortho Carolina, one of the largest private orthopedic practices in, in the country. And, and a lot of others, you know, doctor's offices. And, you know, healthcare is something that affects so many people. Uh, I mean, we all go to the doctor. Um, you know, we all have experiences in, in healthcare, and that's changing a lot. And so to have somebody on the ground here in Charlotte paying attention to that, paying attention to these companies and institutions, I think is just, uh, is just really, really vital. And, you know, on our own, the ledger, you know, we're, we wouldn't be able to hire a reporter to do that. I think the same is true of Rose North Carolina Health News. But by joining up, you know, we can give readers and the public some valuable, independent information. And um, I just want to talk a little bit about how this came together. Rose, you you approached me with this idea back in July. What were the origins of it? Well, actually, I came down to Charlotte to talk to people down there about improving our coverage. I'm going to name drop here. I was having coffee with Carmen Hooker Odom, who's the former state health secretary, and talking about trying to increase our footprint in Charlotte as a publication and uh, looking for opportunities there. And she said to me, well, why don't you partner with Tony Messia at the Charlotte Ledger? They're doing great stuff. And I thought to myself, it was like, I want to have a V8. Like, why am I not partnering with Tony Messia? To Tony's credit, when I gave him a call and approached him about it, I kind of think it didn't take you long to see the win that would be for both of us to, to create this kind of partnership. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I mean, you use it like, wow, I should have had a VA. I think it more like a Reese's peanut butter cup moment, like uh, your chocolate's in my peanut butter, my peanut butter's in your chocolate. It's a good <laughs> good combination if we're able to do it. But why is some, Rose, why is something like this needed? I mean, what is the need? I mean, you all cover healthcare throughout the state, throughout North Carolina. What's the particular interest in Charlotte? 
I'm in the triangle. Um, most of my reporters are in the triangle. We we cover the heck out of state government when it comes to health policy. But, you know, Charlotte is, you know, it, it's as big an area as Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. And it's a really important part of both the state and the national economy. It's hard for me to cover it from two and a half hours away. Like you said, I really can't afford as a publication to go and hire somebody in Charlotte right now. But I realized that, or when we started talking, we realized that if we each threw in some of the funding, that both of us would benefit. And for a long time, there has not been a health reporter at the, you know, at the Charlotte Observer. There, there really hasn't been a lot of experienced eyes looking at these large healthcare entities, thinking about the trends that are driving the business choices that they're making. That that was what I was thinking about, like that this is just a huge undercovered story that we have the opportunity to address. Oh yeah, completely agree. And can you tell me just a little bit about North Carolina Health News? What is it? Why did you start it? Well, I used to be at WUNC uh, what purports to be North Carolina Public Radio for six and a half years until about 2011. And um, I saw a huge need when I started doing a little bit of market research about healthcare reporting in North Carolina. I realized that by 2011, that most of the healthcare reporters in the state had gone away. They'd either been laid off or taken a buyout or been outright just, you know, eliminated by their publications. You know, and mind you, when I came to North Carolina in 2005, the News and Observer had five people covering healthcare. One time I left WNC in 2011, the NNO had one person covering healthcare. And that person soon left and went to, to do corporate communications. And in the, the triangle with RTP, hundreds of biotech companies, you know, two medical schools, three, four large healthcare systems. It really seemed kind of crazy that there was nobody here left focusing on healthcare, not to mention state government. There were some reporters who were still left behind covering healthcare as one of two, three, sometimes four beats. But there was really no one who had a, a, a really intense focus. Plus, if I if I say so myself, plus the work and knowledge that I have of the healthcare system. I'm a registered nurse. I got my nursing degree in 1992 and have been licensed continually ever since. I worked full time until 2000 as an RN then went back to grad school for journalism and public health. I did the two degrees together. While I was going to grad school and beyond, I worked part-time as an RN. I've worked in an inner-city emergency department. I've worked in hospice. I worked in community health. I've worked in home health. And so I've seen a lot of different aspects of the healthcare system. I understand how people in healthcare think. And then that public health degree was in public health policy and management. So I was trained on doing policy analysis, on econometrics, you know, how to how to tell, like how to sort of analyze, like, is this a policy that makes sense? So, you know, I'm always thinking about healthcare as an industry. Well, great. Well, Michelle, let's turn to you. You know, Michelle, you and I've known each other for more than 20 years. We used to work together at the Charlotte Observer. And, you know, since we both left the Observer, we've kind of gone different ways, stayed in touch, but you've done a lot of great work. You know, we've written for AARP, 
WebMD, Reader's Digest, a lot of national publications. You've written some for the ledger, including on health topics. You did a great piece on um, billing and the confusing world of hospital billing, looking at the case of a guy who was billed $10,000 for a colonoscopy that he was told was going to cost, I don't remember, $1,000 or $1,500. Can you talk a little bit about your background and why you're interested in doing this? So, yeah, I was at the Observer for about 11 years. Um, and while I was there, I covered city government growth and zoning and that kind of thing. And I did some editing. Uh, left in 2009 and started freelancing, mostly for national publications. And I just found myself doing a lot of health stories. Uh, I wrote a lot about, uh, I wrote a lot of consumer stories about how patients can have better experiences, how to survive your next trip to the hospital um, and that kind of thing. Um, in the last few years, I've gotten really interested in health and um, started writing stories for you, Tony, and realized that I really miss covering kind of local what's happening here in Charlotte, doing the stories um, that make a difference in people's lives. So Michelle, for people who see the end product but don't know what it's like being a reporter, talk a little bit about your process. How do you find story ideas? How do you go about reporting and, and writing articles? Stories are everywhere. I think my biggest problem is that I'm always seeing stories and I don't have enough time to write all of them. So some stories might come from you know, going down to the courthouse and just looking to see if any suits have been filed against an atrium or Novant. Other stories come from something that you notice, like when you're at the doctor and, and you notice a sign announcing a change or your doctor mentions something to you at the appointment. You know, some of the best stories, probably the best stories come from just normal people, people like people who are listening to this podcast who just either send an email to me or to the ledger to North Carolina Health News and ask me to check something out or even to somebody in my life that shares a story of something that they heard or something that they're frustrated about. And um, what I love to do is take something like that and find the story behind it. Uh, and that might mean reaching out to doctors and experts. It might mean it might mean looking into different documents, but whatever I need to do uh, to find the answers that that person is looking for and to share that information with the reader so that they can make um, have a better understanding of how the healthcare system works and make better decisions so that they can have better experiences as they're interacting with this huge complicated healthcare system that we all have to deal with. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I think, you know, over the last few years, you know, we've heard a lot about local journalism being in decline and you see the layoffs and cutbacks that, you know, that Rose talked about a little bit. And sometimes I think people think, well, you know, if, if they're cutting back on healthcare coverage, it means that they don't see a market for healthcare coverage. They don't see interest in healthcare coverage. And my experience is exactly the opposite, that there, there is a hunger, there is a desire among people to know what's going on in their communities, and especially something like healthcare that touches everybody's lives. And so, you know, the, the interesting thing I think about this initiative is that North Carolina Health News and the Ledger are teaming up and saying, "Look, there is an interest for this, and we're gonna we're gonna prove that this can be done and this can be covered." Rose, I'm sure you hear this all the time about, "Oh, local journalism's in decline." What do you say when people tell you that? Oh my gosh! Well, yeah. I mean, in in the sense that like financially. You know, it's really interesting you say that people think that, but actually this is, it's a little bit old, but um, the Pew Center, that it, it's a think tank and they cover one of the things that they look about are news media trends. And they surveyed people in 2019. And, you know, the public is largely unaware of the challenges facing the journalism community right now. And 71 
5% of the people that they surveyed believe that local media are doing well financially, even though the number of people employed in U.S. newsrooms has fallen by nearly a quarter over the past decade. You know, that when I was going to grad school, I was uh, I was in my 30s and I thought, you know, oh, I've got, I got all this healthcare experience and I could probably go to someplace national. And I, I'm, a, I'm a native New Yorker. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go home, got to work for The New York Times or something like that. And what I've realized is that local media is where it's at. In Charlotte, for example, you can do a story. And like two days later or a week later, you'll hear people in the Charlotte Mecklenburg, you know, board of commissioners referring to something you wrote. You can actually move the needle by presenting information. And we see this like I've had this experience where I'm sitting in the legislature listening to a debate. And all of a sudden, somebody gets up and starts quoting a statistic that I put in one of my stories. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, people do pay attention. I mean, they, yeah. they and there's there's so many, I think, to Michelle's point earlier, I mean, there's there's so much out there. There's so much to cover. The interest uh, is still there and the readership mm-hmm. in many cases is still there. It's just a question mm-hmm. of how do you figure out the business model, right? Because yep. Yep. you had a lot of the advertising has migrated away to Google or Facebook or wherever and that that, um, you know, was absolutely devastating for local newspapers. And let me interrupt you, you know, and I always tell people newspaper financing was a three-legged stool, right? You had subscriptions, but they never paid for, you know, they never paid for everything. And then you had advertising, like you're talking about, and it's gone away to Google and Facebook. And and then the other thing that people don't even think about was classified ads. Remember when we were you were younger and you'd open up the paper and there'd be five or six pages and each one of those little squares was a revenue stream for your local paper. And Craigslist completely devastated that part of the, you know, news financing equation. Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 dried up in, in a lot of different ways. Tell me a little bit about your business model, because, you know, we both, both the Ledger and North Carolina Health News have the same kind of interest, but we go about it in different ways. And I think we are in this period of radical experimentation in local news, where you have a whole bunch of different business models and people are trying a bunch of different things. And, and the answer is, well, there's no one right answer. There are many different ways you know, to solve this problem. You all have taken an approach. Uh, you're a nonprofit newsroom. You get grant funding, individual contributions. What's the thinking behind that approach? Well, I mean, I, I have to be honest with you. I'm not a business person, right? So when I launched in 2011, there wasn't a lot, there were not a lot of models for me to look at. And some of the models that were out there that were starting to emerge were places like ProPublica and the Texas Tribune, which are both nonprofits. And then I followed also in the footsteps of some of my colleagues that I knew through the Association of Healthcare Journalists, Andy Miller in Georgia, Carol Gentry in Florida, and Diane Lund in Oregon. And they had all started not-for-profit news outlets. Um, And so I, I went with that model in part because of what those people had done and the fact that they'd been able to raise some uh, foundation grant money. And then frankly, coming out of healthcare, I was very familiar with, and public radio for that matter, was very familiar with the sort of grant funded individual donor landscape, if you want to say. And so I kind of knew how to ask for money. That said, it took me years to actually get to a place where we were financially sustainable. And I think part of that was because 
I spent and I, journalism as a, as a whole, we spent a, a few years kind of educating funders about, hey, local journalism around here. It wasn't just supporting the big entities, but supporting smaller entities. Um, part of the thing that happened with me was I got a phone call one day in 2012. And next thing I knew, I was a charter member of Lion Publishers, which is short for local independent online news publishers. And um, Lion has become a player in the local news industry helping. We have something like 450 members now, all local news organizations of all stripes, for-profit, not-for-profit, that, that are trying to repopulate the local news environment. I also became a member of the Institute for Nonprofit News because they really think more about how not-for-profits go about the fundraising. Just because I've been doing it for as long as I have, I, I've kind of become a little bit of a of an older voice. And, you know, I think you probably can speak to this too, Tony, like you get to a certain point and then beyond which expanding becomes really hard. I think we've we've kind of grown almost to the extent that we can right now. And now I have to get a lot more aggressive about fundraising. It's It's still a really challenging environment. Um, no matter what your business model is. Oh yeah, I don't think anybody's saying it's uh, you know easy. it's easy. No, it's not like there's <laughs> no. just uh, low no. hanging fruit, uh, you know, hundred dollar bills on the streets to pick up. But, but um, you know, but there are models I think that are showing some some promise. You know, we've there taken are many more models now, and I think the folks who started around the time I did, we were all just making it up as we went along. Yeah, I mean, I think in those early days. You know, explaining to people, you know, what is a digital publication? Why, why are you putting it on the on the internet? And can you sell advertising? Do advertisers want to advertise on a website as opposed to in a printed newspaper? These are all things that they're fairly settled now. But ten or fifteen years ago, I don't know that they were nearly um, as settled. I mean, as far as business models, I mean, the ledger we've taken a little bit of a different approach. We're on a platform called Substack, which is a newsletter uh, platform, and we have a free version and a paid version. We make about half of our material available uh, free to all. And then the other half, we say, if you if you want to read it, um, we would love for you to uh, join us as a subscriber for $9 a month or $99 a year. And there are reasons that we do that. And we've been fortunate to continue growing. That's another approach. And, you know, you look, uh, there are other organizations looking at, you know, uh, events, looking at sponsorships. There's, there's all types of different potential revenue streams. And a lot of places are just working to figure it out. But I think as it relates to this initiative, one of the other things, one of the other aspects of it is, you know, we're going to be um, fundraising uh, for this, that it's not just something um, that North Carolina Health News is putting money in on and the ledger's putting money in on. But we're asking readers, people who care about healthcare in Charlotte to, um, you know, to have a stake in it as well. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that's going to work? Well, um, because we're a not-for-profit, we can fundraise. We're a 501c3, um, and so we can fundraise and we can uh, solicit foundation grants. Um, and the reporter is really, I guess you could almost say housed, making quote marks in the air, um, at North Carolina Health News. We're giving Michelle a North Carolina Health News email address, um, and people are going to be able to make donations to this effort on our website, and it will be um, digging out the URL now. Um, hang on. Your a website, of course, is www.northcarolinahealthnews.org, right? Your right. 
your place to go if you want to know about health news in North Carolina. So, Rose, if, if someone wants to donate to this effort, how can they do that? So, um, because we're a nonprofit, you'll be able to go to a donate page on our site, and it's www.NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org slash donate underscore CLT. And you'll get to a page that says support reporting on healthcare in Charlotte and the Southern Piedmont. And uh, it has a, a few more details about what we're doing together. Well, great. Michelle, um, one more question for you. What sort of things are you most interested in covering? You know, we talked earlier about there are a lot of different things going on. You know, the medical school, you know, there are a lot of changes going on in this industry. What are, what are some of the things you think uh, if you give readers a preview, you know, what they can expect? Well, I think I'm going to do a little bit of everything, Tony, but, you know, one place where I don't think a lot of people, one thing that a lot of people aren't paying attention to is how are Atrium and Novant spending their money? These are large uh, million or billion dollar entities that have a direct impact on our lives and nobody is really paying attention to them. So I'd like to to delve a little bit into that and check their regulatory filings and court records and get a better understanding of, you know, what are they spending their money on? Well, at the same time, so many patients are struggling to pay their, to pay for medical bills. Um, I also just, I, I want to cover um, the Department of Health here and public health and what's happening there. The Washington Post had a story pretty recently where they actually came and spent time in Charlotte and wrote about how the health director here was trying to get the monkeypox vaccine out. Um, and it was a really great story and one that should have been covered by the local media here. I want to write stories about trends in healthcare and how healthcare is changing and how that is going to affect patients long-term. You name it, and I probably want to write about it. Well, great. Well, that sounds like a great place to end. Uh, Rose, any parting comments? I'm just really looking forward to having this partnership. I I'm just really excited. <laughs> well, I'm super excited about it too. And I think a lot of good things, a lot of good things to come. Okay, that's a wrap. Rose and Michelle, thanks for sharing your insights. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. The Charlotte Ledger podcast is produced by Lindsay Banks. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com. And you can find out more about North Carolina Health News at www.northcarolinahealthnews.org.